Hello, this is Aaron Bounds, pastor of the Anchor Church located in Zanesville, Ohio. I want to say thanks for tuning in today. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you to live the life God called you to live. Amen. Praise God. So good, so good to have everybody here tonight. Excited that you're here. I, I know following the service tonight, we're going to, someone's going to be baptized in Jesus' name. We're excited about that. Amen. Amen. The book of 1 Corinthians, if you would turn with me to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 10. We will also be reading from, at some point, uh, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 20, verse 21. And uh, happy Mother's Week to every mother in the building. They need to celebrate it all week, maybe all month, huh? Amen. This weekend's going to be a tremendous weekend honoring our mothers. And, and there's a gift for all of them. And make sure you take time uh, to spend time with your, your mother and uh, celebrate their life. We will not be having church Sunday evening, as you've heard. Uh, so you can do that. So you can have time with family. At the Anchor Church, we believe families are a priority. How many know it's a gift? I've stood at the bedside many times when somebody's about to, about to die, and there's only two things they want. They want God and they want family. I never had anybody say, go get me that boat. Get that car. You know, none of that stuff matters at that moment when you're about to go. But God and family. If young people can learn that at a young age, that's what really matters. How many know it's true? The older we get, the more we realize that. And uh, it's so good to have all of you here tonight. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 1. It says, Moreover, brethren, I would not that you should be ignorant. This is King James Version. He said, I, I don't want you to be unlearned in the word. I don't want you to be ignorant or unlearned. He said, How that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea and verse 2 says and we're all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea and did all eat the same spiritual meat and did all drink the same spiritual drink for they drank of that spiritual rock notice it's capitalized spiritual rock that followed them and that rock was Christ. Somebody say amen. So in Paul's teaching, he is teaching a parallel from the Old Testament to understand our experience in the New Testament. And we call that biblical parallel so you can understand why you repent, why you are baptized, what is happening when God fills you with his spirit. You, you have in samples, the Bible calls it, were examples of the Old Testament, something that happened in the physical in the Old Testament that happens in a spiritual way in the New Testament. And I'd like to teach from that perspective tonight on just simply biblical parallels. Biblical parallels. God bless you. You may be seated. How do you understand a God who you can't see? I've personally never met anybody that has seen God uh, face to face. How I many know oh, that's true? And um, 
We, we, we don't understand God because of what we see. We understand God from, from this perspective. Romans 1, 20. Let's look and see what it says tonight. Romans chapter 1, verse 20. It says, for the invisible, for the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen. How are invisible things of God clearly seen? It says the invisible things are of the world are clearly seen being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead so that they are without excuse. Uh, we understand things we see and we teach the parallels of those things we see to understand, understand the things that we do not see. And so tonight, we've never seen God. And, and in First Peter, it says, loving him who is invisible. And here we are, we're gathered in a building we call a church, which is a building where uh, God's people gather, believers gather to hear more about this God you've never seen to sing songs to a God that you've never seen, to praise and worship a God you've never seen because with all your heart, you believe that he's real even though you haven't seen him. It's the truth. You give your life, you pay your tithes, you take missions trips, you train up your children, you read the Bible every day in your house, uh, you celebrate Easter, you celebrate Christmas, you do all these things uh, to a a God that you've never seen. And yet emphatically, without a doubt, it's, it's irrefutable, it's indisputable, undeniable that you know beyond the shadow of a doubt that God is real. And how many believe he's real today? He's real. There's no doubt he's real. And so Paul says to the Romans, we understand those, the invisible things are seen clearly by the things which are made. For instance, we understand that a move of God, you know, you come to church and say, man, the Lord was moving tonight. Well, where did he move to? The guest said. What do you mean God's moving? What in the world? But we, we understand and we use terminologies about what God does with things that we understand. And, uh, you know, man, that church was on fire, we say. And the bystander, there's never been a church that I haven't seen flames. You know, but man, there was something there. But the guests will also understand, I know something was in that room because I felt it. Something was there. One of our young men, one of our young men that recently returned to the Lord and he was, he was been, had been away from God maybe a little over a year, but he was at work just a few Sundays ago. And some of you've heard me tell the story, but he was at work. We've been praying for God to reach people and to do what we cannot do. And let me just settle this right now. One thing we do believe about God, not only is he real, but he can do what none of us can do. He's bigger than any of us. He's greater than any of us. Amen. When the doctor says that's all I can do, that's when God can step in and do what the doctor can't do. I mean, no, he's supernatural. He's powerful and he's unlimited with God. All things are possible. And this, this young man was at work and all of a sudden something moved and that he's unloading the dock at work, uh, unloading the trailer at work at Sam's club and the presence of the Lord moved in there out of nowhere, moved in that box trailer where he was unloading that trailer at Sam's Club. And it was so powerful that his co-worker said, what in the world is this that I feel? 
And that young man that had been away from the Lord, not where he should be with God, he said, that is the presence of God. And the Lord has come here and I'm clocking out and I'm going to go to church and get my heart right with God. Amen. That's powerful. Aren't you glad? You don't have to reach for him. He reaches for you. John said, you, Jesus said, you didn't choose me. I chose you when you were in the gutter, when your life was a mess. He came to where I was. That's what's so powerful about God. He came to where I was. There's another verse that says he inhabits the praises of his people. And we understand that when we start clapping our hands, raising, being emotional toward God. That's why the Bible says in John 4 and 23, let's turn there. Uh, John 4 and 23. And I got to be careful. I start preaching instead of teaching. And, uh, you know, it's not what I do. I guess it's just who I am. But the Bible says in John 4 and 20, John 4 and 23, it says, but the hour cometh and now is when the true worshipers shall worship the father in spirit and in truth. In spirit, that's emotional. Man, they're sort of spirited type people. They sure are spirited. They're, they're emotional type of people. In spirit and in truth, for the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is a spirit. And they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Wouldn't it be terrible to be married to a person that's not emotional? Monotone. You're suave and debonair. You're the romantic. You get, get the roses. You dress up, hand of the roses, you hug them, and it's like hugging a tree. Thanks, honey. Appreciate the new car you got me. That was nice of you. That was nice of you. If that's your spouse, amen. We, we, can, we, we have marriage counseling sessions during the week. You know, we, we can work on this. But God made us to be emotional. We're jealous. We get angry. How many know that? We, we, get, we get emotional. We get happy. The Ohio State Buckeyes win the national championship. That was nice. Go Buckeyes. No, you go crazy. I mean, my lands, when the Cleveland Browns had a perfect season of 0 and 14, and they threw a parade in Cleveland and celebrated a perfect season. That's crazy. I don't care who you are, that's crazy right there. That's emotion. Then they have to start having a winning season to get happy. I'm just saying, we're an actor. You get a raise. Thank you. Oh, honey, I've got a raise. My lands, we're going to get to be able to do this and this. The baby's born. Man, we can go all day on this emotional thing. God made us to be emotional. I mean, know it's true. And when we're worshiping God, it shouldn't be a, some monotone response. When I think of his goodness and all he's done for me, man, my soul, the song says, my soul cries out, hallelujah. Thank you for saving me. I was born crippled. I, Come on, anybody else ever been brought out of a situation and you know God brought me out of that. If it had not been for God, it's all right to clap your hands. It's all right to wave your hands. It's emotional. And so we understand that God exists 
not because we've seen him, but he's clearly understood as an invisible God because of the things which are made. The Bible compares him to the elements. The Bible t teaches us to know these things. In, Revel in, in Acts 2, you'll find that he was compared to fire, wind, and water. The most powerful elements on the planet are fire, wind, and water. How many know damage can happen on any of those things like nothing else? And it compares him to those elements. We've never seen the wind, but we know wind exists. Because the leaves start flapping you know there's a, there's a movement with it because you can feel it. You can see the effects of it. You can hear it. God is the same. We can hear him, we can feel him, and we can see the effects of him. I've been in services where I felt the, the Lord sweep through. I looked at my brother and I said, David, did you feel that? I was in Guatemala. It was very, very special. I said, did you feel that? He said, yes, I do. I said, the Lord's doing something special in this meeting right now. When I looked over, we hadn't been in church like five minutes. The bed, I had to step around of the man they carried to the church, uh, an impotent man. He was a crippled man. He hadn't walked in two years, had a tumor in his body. He was, he was uh, uh, unable to walk. They had to give him a drink of water. Then they had to hold his head up. They give him a drink of water. I watched this. When I came out of the 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 uh, place where I was standing beside the church staying, I had to go around the bed because they brought a bed to lay him in, but they brought him to that church because they believed God was there and able to heal him. And watch what happened. We start, they started praising in a, in a song. I didn't understand what they were saying. When you're in Guatemala and they're singing Spanish, you just, you just try to figure it out, you know. They start saying, fuego, 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 fuego. That's fire, 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 fire. Anything beyond that, I really didn't know. Burrito, taco, enchilada, I don't know. You, you know, there's a lot of things, <laughs> I'm limited. But you know what, it didn't matter that I didn't understand. What mattered is they were worshiping God. And anytime you worship God, he shows up with a true heart. It doesn't matter if there's two, it doesn't matter if there's three. It doesn't matter if I'm driving my car on the way to work and I'm singing to the radio. Amen, how many know he's not real far away. He's as close as the mention of his name. And it was so powerful. And I said, David, you feel that? He said, yes. I said, the Lord's doing something special. And that man that had those tiny legs, tiny legs and walked in two years. When God moved that building with nobody touching him, he stood up just like that. And he said in Spanish, I am healed. The tumor is gone. They carried him to church. Man, I'm glad he's the same God in Zanesville. It doesn't matter what's going on. He can heal you. He can fix your marriage. He can heal your family at the mention of his name. Somebody say amen. We were in, we were in Coshocton. And, and by the way, that man, they brought him up. They brought him up and they, they responded just the way you do tonight. I mean, we're excited people. I'm just going to say one thing awesome about being saved is our emotions have been set free. The world is numb. They're bound emotionally. How many know that's true? God get the man. I'm gonna preach. I'm gonna feel like preaching here for a minute. The Bible says it's joy unspeakable and full of glory. Hallelujah. Amen. There's peace. There's joy. There's happiness. 
living for don't feel sorry for me because I'm living for God. Amen. I, 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 my feet are on the rock. My name is on the roll. I've got a mansion on the other side. I don't have to worry about dying tonight. God's got a plan for me. He's going to take care of me. It's all right to be happy. It's okay to get enthusiastic. Praise God. When, listen, it's all right to be thrilled about it. Praise God. And he, they brought that man up there and they told everybody, they said, they let him tell. And as he's, as he's standing there, tell him about how he's, he's moving his legs like this. I'm healed, he said. But he was still blind. They started praising God, but in the healing of that moment, his blinded eyes were open just like that. He started saying in Spanish, I can see, I can see. Praise God. We went to Coshocton. We were in Coshocton. And uh, same thing. I was up there. Pastor Cody's when I was pastoring there. Pastor Cody was sitting beside me and, and the spirit of the Lord moved in there. That's not uncommon for us. But you felt like, uh, Brother Lavelle, it felt special. Like God was just doing something. You know, uh, and, and over the years you learn those things being around the Lord. You feel you know, you feel him, but then you feel like something's happening right now. I mean, you become sensitive to what God is doing. It's like learning your spouse. You know, I, I can look, my wife has her own language on her face. She can look at me and it's a, it's a whole paragraph. Good and bad. Y'all know what I'm talking about, but you're around the Lord in time. You learn what God is doing. The Bible says he revealed the secrets to the prophet prophets. We've start learning. I looked at pastor Cody. I said, you feel that? He said, yes, I do. I said, the Lord's doing something special. God's doing something here today, very powerful. Man, after service, a lady that I've known for 15, almost 15 years, said, I'd like to say something. They took her the microphone and she said, I have been blind. And she was. You could try to shake her hand. I tried to shake her hand before service. She couldn't see my hand that close in front of her face. I'd known Vicki for many years and her sickness had caused her to become blind. I didn't realize she was as severe as she was. She said, I have never in this church seen one person. I've never seen what the decor looked like. I've never known any detail of any person. Everything in this room has been a blur from the moment I've been in this church, however long she had attended there. She said, but during the praise and worship, when the Lord started moving, she said, he opened my blinded eyes. I can see every detail of every face. I can see the decor. God's able. Come on. I said, the Lord's able. There's nothing too big for God to do. And when you clap your hands and praise him and sing songs unto him, guess what? He always shows up and anything is possible. Amen. So if you wonder why we clap our hands, that's why. We wonder why we shout, that's why. One scripture in the Bible, they shouted with a great shout and Jericho wall come tumbling down. There is power in responding to God. That's the truth. We understand that. And so in the writing of 1 Corinthians, he is teaching us, he is teaching us to understand God or the things of God or our life with Christ. He's teaching us that the invisible things are clearly seen. And so in 1 Corinthians, let's, let's go back there in the text that I read today and look what it says. In those first four verses, first four verses of 1 Corinthians, went to the wrong book here. But it says that, that they were all, verse two, or verse one, it says, don't want you to be ignorant or unlearned, how that all our fathers were under the cloud 
and all pass through the sea. And so it's comparing your life with Christ as the children of Israel that came out of Egypt. Everybody say Egypt. Egypt, they were under bondage. They were slaves. They were there 430 years. And God sent them Moses, a preacher, a prophet, a deliverer, and he preached the way out that you can come out. And so there's all these parallels that happen to understand Christ and our relationship with him. Everybody say a parallel. Just picture railroad tracks. This happens so you understand that this happens. It's a parallel. It's a visible example of what happens in my invisible life. I didn't, I didn't see my sins wash away. I just want to say that. When he washed my sins away, I, I didn't come out and say, you know, that spot's gone. I come out new. I came out different. I could feel it. I knew it. But I, to understand exactly what happens, I have to understand from a physical perspective or something I can see to understand what happened to me in my conversion. And so here's the example. They were in Egypt under bondage and slavery for many years. They were in Egypt for 430 years. God sent them a preacher by the name of Moses. He said, you tell them that I've sent you and to tell Pharaoh to let them go. They've had them long enough. And so he preaches to them and through 10 plagues, they come out of Egypt. And let me just stop here. I can't preach on parallels and not talk about the lamb. There was a lamb that was slain while they were in Egypt. God didn't wait to touch them when they come out while they were in bondage. So the New Testament says, while we, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. God didn't wait on me, sit back and wait on me to get it all together. Said, you know what? Now I think I'll help him. It didn't work that way. He saw you in the bar stool and the drunken stupor. He saw you in the mess you were in when you were committing sins that were ungodly. He saw you then. He died for you while you were in your sin and in your bondage. He understands you can't come out without him bringing you out. Nobody can come out of sin without God bringing you out of sin. That's why the Bible tells us in Romans, Romans, it says that how can you hear without a preacher and how can he preach except he be sent? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of the Lord. They're in bondage. They're praying to come out and God sends a preacher and said, you're going to get out of here. You can come out of this. You don't have to live that way anymore. And all of a sudden the faith begins to transfer and says, you know what? I don't have to stay here. I don't have to live here. I don't have to be embodied to this stuff. You know how many people want to lay stuff down that they can't? It's like stuck to them. They want to give this up. They want to stop talking this way. They want to lay it down, but it's just, they keep trying. They're in a, in a counseling, they call it a cycle of failure. And in counseling, they also call it triggers that make you go back down into the mess that you want to get out of. Triggers, and they call it a cycle of failure. That's counseling terms. And that's what they were in Egypt. They wanted to get out, but they couldn't. It just got worse and worse and worse. But God sent a preacher. Man, I feel like preaching. God sent a Moses. He said, you tell Pharaoh to let them go. You know what the power of the gospel is? You might have been held bondage by a spirit, by a curse, by something that was in your family, generationally addicted, generationally bound, generationally angry. But when the gospel is preached, what the gospel is saying is, you can't have them anymore. They're coming out of that. Years of addiction, 
Years of immorality. Generationally chaos. Come on. Grandpa was divorced. Divorced. Grandma was divorced. Mom and dad divorced. You, he says, I can change it forever. That's gambling, sickness. I don't care what it is. When he says, God, when the gospel is preached, it's faith to come out of what you've been stuck in. And so they, Moses comes in, the lamb was slain, the, the blood was applied, and he says, get out of here. They walk out of Egypt, and here comes the past. You ever notice when you give your life to God, the past tries to hunt you down, chases you? Who do you think you are? You don't belong there. You're not that good. You'll never live righteous. You're going to come back. You're going to get back on this stuff. You're going to mess up again. You know that dirty secret you have. You're going to have it again. Your past is coming trying to drag you back to what you used to be. But guess what? God put a cloud between them and Pharaoh who's trying to come after three and a half million Israelites to bring them back to be slaves. God put a cloud and said, that's enough. But I'm about to do something. And Moses, the leader, he understood that to get to the promised land, you've got to go through the water. Everybody say the water. The water is a cleansing place. The water is a separation place. The water is a is a washing away place. Aren't you glad for water? I'm, I'm glad for water. The water, the water, when they come out of the garden of Eden and they sinned against God, they had to go through the water to get out of the blessing of God. Meaning, here's a parallel, to get back in the garden of Eden, which is a place of paradise in a relationship with God and perfection, you gotta go back through the water to get back into the garden of Eden. Why the water? Why the water? The Bible talks about the water and the spirit. Somebody shout, there's something about the water. My, there's something about the water. And watch this. When they come out of Egypt, they're against the Red Sea, and Moses takes his rod, stretch it over that sea, and when he does, God parts the water. And they walk across on dry ground, and when they get to the other side, they look and here comes Pharaoh, the bond, which represents sin and bondage and slavery and stuff you can never get out of. How many's ever been bound to something God delivered you from? Amen. And here comes Pharaoh and his army coming through that Red Sea to come and chase them because he wants them to be back in Egypt as slaves. But they come through the Red Sea on dry ground, water is standing up on each side as a heap. On each side as a heap. And they go across. You know, picture Bibles were fun as a kid, but they did us a disservice. Because we picture, you know, a parting of the Red Sea about as wide as, you know, this aisle or a few rows. It would have been maybe a mile wide. To get three and a half million people crossing in one night would have been like a mile wide. I mean, when God does stuff, he does it big. Are y'all listening to me tonight? He does it big. He pushed that water back. That wind blew across. They didn't get mud on their feet. They were walking across on dry ground. That's a miracle. Got up on the other side and they look and here comes Pharaoh and the army chasing after them. But guess what? Moses turned around by the leader of the Lord, stretched his rod over that sea and the waters came back like this. When it did, it washed away the entire army, Pharaoh and that army, it washed them away. 
and they started singing. Pharaoh and his army, Mary and Moses' sister got a tambourine and she sang a praise and worship song like we do on Sundays and Wednesdays and whatever night we have church. And she was singing a song like we sing. She was singing Pharaoh and his army. We will see them again no more. Could you imagine an entire life of bondage and slavery, scars on your husband's back? They've been trying to kill your babies, bashing them. It was unbelievable. But now they have been made free. They just there to say, wow, that was awesome. Did you see? That was pretty cool the way the water came back and did this number, you know. You know. No, they started singing. They started dancing. They started rejoicing. They were so enthused. They were so great. You ever see somebody that's so grateful? so grateful, so thankful. That's what they were because everything that had been beating them up for the last hundreds of years, everything that's enslaved them, everything that brought them fear, everything that tore them down, everything that degraded them, everything that made them not want to get up in the morning is gone forever. That, they got excited. They got excited. I remember a lady singing in church one time. Oh my goodness. I mean, typically when she sang, it wasn't very moving. You know, she just sang. People just stared at her like this. It wasn't very moving. And one night, boy, she got real excited. I mean, woo, woo. She started doing like that. Boy, that got my attention. I'm just a little boy in church. I thought, man, she's feeling it tonight. Finally looked up, it was a wasp over her head. It wasn't a... It wasn't what was in her heart. I think it was what was over her head, you know. I'm not talking about wasp in the church. I'm talking about that something gets in your heart. Man, if it hadn't been for the Lord, God saved my marriage. God pulled my kids out. God, I would still be a drunk. I'd still, come on now. I'd still be lying and cheating. God brought me out. Come on, clap your hands and say, and thank the Lord for bringing you out. Hallelujah. There's something about the house of God. I was telling you a week or so ago about my buddy. They've been praying, one of the local physicians in town, his son had come to the youth group was gonna be baptized in the service that night. And his mother came and when she pulled him to the parking lot, when she pulled him to the parking lot, she had been bound by anxiety and fear for many years. Medication wouldn't help it. Counseling wouldn't help it. Help it. She was bound by fear. Come on, these are real people, good people, that have things in their life they've been bound by. And she came to the church, pulled on the parking lot. And after church, she said, I need to see the pastor. She said to the pastor, she said, why is it that when I pulled into the parking lot of this church, what I had been bound by for years in fear instantly left me. What in the world happened to me? He said, all I know to tell you is the church has been praying that when people would pull in the parking lot, God would deliver them from whatever they've been bound by. How many know God can set you free tonight? He can heal you of depression. He can heal you of fear. He can heal you of addiction. Amen. He can turn it around. He can change your heart tonight. Somebody say amen. I'm glad he changed me one day. I'm glad he changed me. That old song says, I went to church one night. My heart wasn't right, but something got a hold of me. Aren't you glad God was here and not just a sermon? God was here and not just the music. God was here. Somebody shout amen. Oh, they come through the sea. Everybody say they came through the sea. I mean, it's worth getting excited about. The taskmasters, the slave drivers, 
the bondage. Everybody say, it's gone. I came to Jesus, weary, worn, and sad. He took my sins away. That's what it's talking about. Took my sins away. We sing songs about it. Talk about the blood. What does the blood do? It's a visible parallel that God washed all of that stuff that was against you away. All things. Somebody shout, all things have been made new. Hold on a minute. Now we're on this side of the Red Sea. I'm looking over that sea. Miriam's just over here shouting and tambourining and singing. Moses, you got the curious George over here standing at the Red Sea thinking. Looking over the sea. The, the bubbles have come up and disappeared. Do you know they have found Pharaoh's, those chariot wheels at the bottom of the Red Sea. Yeah. And you can still see it. There's there. Hey Amen. This is true. I'm not, I'm, this is not just parables I'm talking about. I'm talking about real stories. Yeah. Examples, it's real. God washed it away. You got Curious George standing on this side of the Red Sea and he's looking and said, man, it's gone. Now what? What are we going to do now? Where are we going? I'll tell you where you're going. The promised land. There's already things prepared for you. Houses already built, trees already planted, irrigation's already done. It's already planned for you. And what you have to understand is that when God brings you out, he doesn't just bring me out. Take your hand and do this with me. Would you preach with me? Just, he brought me out to take me in. He's not just bringing me out of sin. He's taken me to my purpose. We're fearfully, wonderfully made. God has a, the Bible says he's predestinated us in him. All right. You see that? And so when it says that they were all baptized, verse, let's go back to verse one, first Corinthians 10 and one. It says, moreover, brethren, I would not that you should be ignorant how that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the, through the sea and were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. What does it mean? So here's a New Testament term that's in the Old Testament. And there's also a New Testament term Right here, that's talking about it. it existed in the Old Testament. So what's happening is there's a blending of the New Testament experience and the Old Testament experience. So you see words like baptism. When was he baptized in the sea and in the cloud? Baptized means to be submerged with, to go all the way under. You, you can't separate the word from its meaning. Submerged completely through. I'm going to tell you, when they were baptized in the sea, it meant they went through the water. They were baptized in the water. And what happened in the water? It washed away their past. Everybody say the water, the sea, washed away the past. You know what's awesome? Are you ready? It's the Red Sea. Symbolic of the blood. What can wash away my sins? Blood of Jesus. We sing those songs. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. And we see in the New Testament, in Matthew 26 and 28, let's look at this. This is Jesus talking. Jesus talking. Matthew 26, 28. Everybody say parallels. Matthew 26 and 28. I can't help but get excited. Man, it's so real to me. Jesus said at the Last Supper, when he was when he was serving the communion, if you will, the, the cup of wine and the bread, he said, when he took the cup, he said, for this is my, what? 
blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. Remission does not mean forgiveness. It's deeper than that. I've seen translations interchange the word remission and forgiveness. It's deeper than forgiveness. It really is. Remission means to be treated as if it never happened. So Hebrews 9.22 says, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. And so what happened is, is when you come through the sea, it washes it all away. It's being remitted. There's no evidence of it. Everybody say it's gone. If a person dies on, is being expedited to the court over a crime they committed and they die on the way, case is closed. Can't try a dead man. And what happens is the old man, everybody, everybody hold yourself somehow. I got my coat here, but you gotta get a hold of yourself. You know, you're the problem. You're the problem. You know what I learned? Even preacher's kids are born sinners. Aren't they, honey? Yeah. <laughs> I'll never forget old Sawyer. My goodness, Sawyer, Sawyer. It was Sawyer, Sawyer. Oh, help us, Lord. It was Sawyer. I looked back, picked up Lakin. She's sitting in the back, back in the seat. I'm looking in the rearview mirror. He, he went somewhere for a few hours at a friend's house and came back. I looked. He's looking at his hands and he's looking at her hair. He's looking at his hands. He's looking at her hair. He's looking at his hands. Finally, he just yanked her hair. I said, sorry, what'd you do that for? He said, something's controlling me. <laughs> I, said, I said, honey, he got that from your side of the family. I'm, we're perfect in our ways. Oh my goodness, stories. I could tell you stories all day long, but we're all born rotten. Romans, Romans says that a wild olive tree, look at your neighbor and say, you're a wild thing. You know it. You know it. Challenged. Skeletons in the closet. Mistakes. Wish I hadn't. If I'd only known. How many's ever said, if I'd only known? My goodness. If I'd only known. I wish I'd have never. A thousand times we said, because we're sinners. When you come to the Lord, you, you've got that sinful, sinful nature, the things that you did. You ever look back at your life and say, what in the world was I thinking? Don't look at me as if West Virginia is the only one to say that, you know. And we come to the Lord and we got this baggage. We got this baggage. We got this something chasing us that's always screaming, you'll never be better. You'll never be better. And when you're talking about remission, remission doesn't mean forgive you. There's more to it than forgive you. I can forgive you and still see all the mess you did. One of the greatest examples I could probably give you about remission is when one of our unsaved children in the basement. Let me, word, let me word it better than that. One of our children that really needed Jesus in the moment. You know, they, they were in, my wife is, I mean, she's cleaning as she always does, but she moves the ottoman over and on our, why do we have light colored carpet with four children? I, I haven't figured that one out, you know, light colored carpet, you know, and, uh, but kids are messy, you know that? But this wasn't messy. This was disobedience. There was a dark spill in the basement of that house in an area. They're not supposed to have drinks. And I heard her say, kids, come here. Who did 
coat, Dr. Pepper, whatever it was she named. I don't know what it was. In the basement, they come down. And I don't know if any of them, did any of them ever admit it? I'm not sure if any of them ever admitted it. You know, you know, sort of like Adam in the garden. When the Lord looked at Adam in the garden, he said, Adam, he says, that woman you gave me. It was Eve. You know, you know how it is. Looked at Eve. Eve said, Eve. He said, she said, it's that, it's that devil. Well, now we're talking real, aren't we? We don't ever take blame for it. You know, go down the line and, and she got down, man. And she said, well, whoever did it, you know, need to admit to it. And uh, I can't remember what the admittance was, but she forgave them because she's a good woman. But she didn't only forgive, she got on her hands and knees and she removed the evidence to where it couldn't be seen. And what God does, he doesn't just forgive you for the mistake. It comes down in your world. That's remission. It's as if it never happened, will never be held to your charge. So that when you stand before God, you're not just forgiven. There's no evidence as if you've ever done anything wrong. I mean, it's like a, the Bible says, that's why, watch this. And that's why the seed that they come out of Egypt on is compared to baptism. That's why the word baptism is used. Because Acts 2.38, look what it says. Acts 2.38. This was what Jesus taught them to preach. This is what he taught the gospel was. This is the purpose of the gospel is that sinners could be made righteous. Paul said, I am what I am because of Jesus Christ. I mean, no, he was a saint killer. He was a preacher killer. He held Stephen's coat while he was stoned. He, he, he would say things like, I'm the chief among sinners. And yet he could say, I am what I am, a righteous man because of God. Because everybody in the world, when they come to Jesus, they've got mistakes and failures and faults. They've got stains on the carpet, if you will. And we say, God, I don't want, I'm sorry for what I've done. The Lord said, I'm going to forgive you, but I'm going to do more than forgive you. I'm going to wash it away as if it never happened. I'm going to wash it away. Watch. And they said, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, repent. That means turn from those ways. Turn from those sinful ways. Come out of Egypt. Everybody shout, come out. You got to decide in your life. I'm going to come out. I don't want to be that way anymore. I don't want to live that life anymore. You can't save somebody that doesn't want to be saved. You can't, you can't save somebody that doesn't feel they need forgiven, need that they've done anything wrong. But if you're here tonight and you say, I am a sinner. I've done things I wish I'd have never done. I have felt guilt and shame. I'm embarrassed by it. And you've got godly sorrow wishing you hadn't made the mistakes you're making or have made. Guess what? You're at the right place tonight. He is the right place because he turns everything around. He washes it all the way and he makes all things new. Somebody say amen. He said, repent. Everybody say, come out of Egypt. That's what that's saying. And be Baptized who? Don't, don't let some people tell you that only, only some. That's not biblical. They would take them the same hour and baptize them. Somebody gave their life to God, they would take them right then and baptize them. You look in Acts chapter, in, in Acts chapter eight, God called Philip into a, a desert. There was a man that was the, uh, the, the eunuch, Ethiopian eunuch. He's up in his chariot. He's seeking God. He's traveled maybe a thousand miles seeking the Lord and God calls a preacher into a desert place. Man, I feel like preaching a little while. Is that all right? He gets out in a desert place and he says, do you understand what you're reading? He said, how do I understand unless some man shows me? 
And from the very same verse in Isaiah, he preaches to him Jesus. And when he starts preaching Jesus in a desert, he said, well, here's a pool of water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? Everybody say this with me. They both went down into the water. That's why we don't sprinkle. Because in the Bible, they went down into the water. They weren't sprinkled. They were submerged. Everywhere in the Bible, they went under. There's a story, there's a movie about Jesus. John the Baptist takes Jesus all the way out in the Jordan River, gets him out about this high in water, then scoops his hands and pours it over his head. That is not what happened. He didn't walk him all the way out into a pool in the river and pour water over his head. That's tradition. That is not biblical. I'm not being argumentative, I'm just being forward. It's straightforward. They didn't do that. When they went under, he would have went all the way under. That's why Romans 6 says that we are buried with him in baptism. Because as much to understand to washing away the sins is that Jesus died, he was buried, and he resurrected. And so, oh my. Watch this. Romans, let's read it. Romans. Romans chapter 6. Somebody say, praise the Lord. He said in chapter six, verse one, let's understand baptism. We're still there. I'll get back to this verse in a minute. What shall we say then? Shall we continue? He said, there's no roast in the oven, meaning it's not Sunday and I don't have to end too soon. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? No way. That's what it means. God forbid. How shall we that are what? Dead to sin. I came out of Egypt. Live any longer therein. Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death. Therefore we are buried with him. With him. The only place you'll find in scripture where you actually go through Calvary with the Lord is through repentance, baptism, and resurrection. He died at the cross. They buried him in a grave. Three days later, he got up. All of us have to die to sin. How I many know that's biblical? The term is repent. I don't want to be a sinner. It's too easy when you're a sinner. I mean, no, sinners sin. That's what we all do with, with easily because it's just in our nature. We, we have to be saved. The Bible says there's none good. No, not one. We all gotta, no man can get to the Father except by him. That's what, the, what Jesus said. And so understanding that you have to go through this, how you do this with Jesus is by repenting and being baptized. Watch, I'll prove it. Therefore, we are buried with him by what? baptism into death. Read on. That like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in. Everybody say newness of life. When you're baptized and you come out of that water of baptism, it's gone. Everything's new. The Bible says put off the old man. Come on, help me preach real quick. Say put off the old man and put on a new man. I've watched people convert that were fighters become gentle giants. How? 
Everybody knows there's a change in them. Why? They repented and their sins have been washed away. Repentance, repentance goes hand in hand with baptism. One is not to be done without the other. Repent and be baptized. Acts 2, 38, look what it says. Repent and be Every one of you, it's for everybody. Baptism is for everybody. How? In the name, there you go. In the name of Jesus Christ, why? For the remission of sins. It's where the blood is applied. And ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. That's a resurrection power. That's why the Bible says they were baptized in the sea. Everybody say the sea. Everybody say the cloud. The thing that sustained them. Are you okay? The thing that sustained them through the wilderness on the way to the promised land is every morning they woke up. There was a cloud that lifted. And when the cloud would lift, every morning there was bread all over the ground. The Bible says it was bread from heaven. It was a wafer that tasted like honey. It was a taste Whew. of the land to come. A land that flowed with milk and honey. Look at, look at Hebrews chapter six. Oh, you got to turn here with me. Look what this says. It's so exciting when you see what, what it is. Praise the name of the Lord. In the book of Hebrews chapter six, it says, it says, for it is impossible, verse four, for those who were once enlightened and had tasted of the Everybody say heavenly gift. And we're made partakers of the Holy Ghost and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the watch is when, remember, everybody said parallel. So when they come through the Red Sea, every morning they'd get up. When the cloud would lift, they were baptized by a cloud and the sea. That when the cloud would lift, there was, there was bread all over. You know what they called it? Anybody know? Everybody say manna. You know what the word manna means? What is it? It's bread. He said it was going to be bread. Did you know how we are? Something new. They never eat bread from heaven. They never, the, the, God told Moses to tell them that there's going to be bread from heaven. Cloud lifts, there's bread laying everywhere. Little wafers taste like honey is everywhere. What is it? It's bread. It's bread. Somebody say, say it's, bread. it's bread. And that was symbolic of what? The baptism of the Holy Spirit. And when you repent, you come through the water, you're on your way to somewhere, and guess what? You're baptized in the cloud. And that's why we need the Spirit of the Lord to set upon us. Because guess what? The Spirit of the Lord will always leave. It's going to leave bread from heaven. Strength. It's a taste of His presence. It's a taste of what? the world to come. And when you feel the presence of God, you are, the Bible, Paul said, we have sit in heavenly places. And when you're in the presence of God, you are actually feeling a little bit of what heaven's gonna be like. It's called heaven on earth. It's called the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. What I thank the Lord for it. That's where blinded eyes are open. That's where cripples are healed. Because heaven, I'm talking about heaven food. Amen. And that's why on the day of Pentecost, when the Spirit of the Lord fell, the Bible says in 120 people, they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit of God gave them utterance. And all those devout Jews gathered around. You know what they said? 
What is it? It's what Joel said. In the last day, saith God, I'm going to pour my spirit up on all flesh. Amen. I'm going to tell you what it is. It's the baptism of the Holy Ghost. It's for you. It's for your children. It's for everybody. There's nothing like it. We all need it. We need to be baptized with his spirit. Come on, let's stand our feet and clap our hands and say, I want the baptism of his spirit. Amen, amen, amen. I want all that God has for me. Baptism is for everybody. The baptism of the sea and the baptism of the cloud. The baptism for remission of sins is what you do right here. That water is warm and clean and ready. It's not the water, but it's the obedience to the scripture of baptism that brings remission. How many believe that? Amen. Amen. And then the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Ghost. When it comes over you, there is nothing like it in all the world. When they come up out of the water, when Jesus was baptized, here it is, a parallel, an example. When Jesus was baptized and he come up out of the water of baptism in the Jordan River, what happened? There was a spirit of the Lord descended upon him like a dove. Did it not? And a voice spoke out of heaven and said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. You get to Acts 8. After they were baptized, they come out of the water. The Lord filled them with his spirit. In Acts 19, when they come out of the water, the Bible says they begin to, let's just turn there. Turn to Acts 19 and 6 and 7. You can get your Bibles or anything to put it on the screen. Acts chapter 19. And when Paul laid his hands upon them, let's go back a verse. Go back to verse 5. When they heard this, because these people were rebaptized, John's, John's disciples, they were rebaptized. If you don't know how you were baptized, I'd get rebaptized because there's biblical precedence for this. He asked them two questions How were you, Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed, and how were you baptized? Go read it, Acts 19, because it mattered to them. There's one Lord, one faith, one baptism. It's the baptism of the cloud and the sea. So he asked them the question, how were you baptized and have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? Because they are all separate, distinct experiences. Repentance, baptism, the infilling of the Holy Ghost. Somebody say amen. When they heard this, they were submerged in the name of the Lord Jesus. Verse six. And when Paul had laid his hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came on them. Baptized in the cloud and the sea. You see it? So it's a parallel through scripture. You'll see it all the way through scripture. It says, and they spake with tongues and what? Prophesied. When they begin to prophesy, they begin to bring life, speaking life, great things. He changes the tongue. No longer degradation, and cursing, and hateful one. Becomes life and joy. Prophesy. The Bible says, and the sons and the daughters shall prophesy when the Holy Ghost comes upon you. I'm going to tell you, church ought to be a place where life is at. One guy went to a church and everybody was talking about how bad the world was and how bad everything was. The guest that came to that church stood up in the back and he said, listen, here's my business card. If there's anything I can help you poor people. Church shouldn't be that way. Ought to be like that one guy that came in and he said, I don't know what you people have, but I want everything you got. Ran to the altar and gave his life to the Lord. I'll never forget as long as I live down in West Virginia. I want what you have. You're the salt. You're the light. What do you have? I've got salvation. 
I've got Christ. He's in me. He's the hope. He changed my life. I'm not what I used to be. Amen. Repent. Somebody say repent and be baptized. Every one of you. In the name of Jesus Christ. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Baptized in the sea. Baptized in the cloud. And every time the Holy Ghost sets upon me, it's a taste of the heaven to come. Do you believe that? Sit down in heavenly places. Paul said. I want us to pray all over the building. Lord, we love you today. We are buried with you in baptism. Like as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we arise to walk in newness of life. Hallelujah. We love you today. Thank you for the gospel, Lord. Thank you that you died for us. You weren't only buried, but you resurrected. And we celebrate that resurrection power that we can be changed. That we can be healed. That we can be set free. That we can change the direction of our families, of our heart, our mind. Fear doesn't have to be a part of what we do. The Holy Ghost is the answer. It's our bread from heaven. It's our continuing power. Every day we get up, a cloud sits in our life that leads us and guides us. Gives us strength in the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. Lord, in Jesus' name. If you're here today, and let's all bow our heads and close our eyes. I preach to you the gospel of Jesus Christ tonight. But if you're here tonight, and you say, I'm here, and I, I have things in my life I need God to heal, whether it be physical or spiritual. Uh, I want to be forgiven. Maybe you're here and you say, I want to be forgiven. I've got, I'm a sinner, and I want to be saved. I've strayed away. I'm not where I need to be. You can be changed tonight. You really can. You don't have to leave sick. You don't have to leave bound. You don't have to leave in sin. He can turn it all around tonight. If you're here and you're, you're troubled with any of those things, you want to change your life today, would you raise your hand? Raise your hand. I see some hands being raised across the building. You don't have to pray fancy. You just talk to the Lord the way you would me. Tell the Lord. I want us to kneel at our seats or sit at our seats, but I want us all to take a little time and pray. Everybody in the room, I want us to, you can kneel or sit, but I want you to begin to talk to the Lord. You don't have to pray fancy, just be real with God. God, I need you today. Repent is a, it's just a transparent term. Just turn from you and say, God, I don't want to sin anymore. I'm sorry. I'm sorry for the things I've done that I feel guilty about. I don't want to do that any longer. Thanks again for listening to the Anchor Church Podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe so you can keep up on our weekly sermons. If you're in the Zanesville area, we invite you to join us on Sundays. You can find all the details on our website at theanchor.church. Again, thanks so much for listening, and we hope to see you soon.